One of the, the simple joys in life is when somebody shares with us the excitement of a birth announcement, a baby announcement that they're expecting or that the baby has actually been born. Any number of those bring us joy for those who, who share it. In fact, I know of at least one family, one friend who is looking forward to gathering together because his daughter is going to share the exciting news that they are expecting. Going to be shared over the holidays. I, I don't think it will steal Jesus' thunder, but exciting news to be shared. And, and we all understand exactly what that's like, don't we? It's, it's neat to, to be able to share the anticipation of expecting a baby or to share the joy with a, a new mother and father at such wonderful news. And it's natural for us, especially after the baby is born, to ask questions, curious questions uh, that, that share the details. How long was labor? What's the sex of the baby? How much did it weigh? What's its length? The questions go on and on, completely natural and normal for us to do, to wonder, to, to share in that joy. The prophet Isaiah, in our, our first reading this evening, shared a, a baby announcement of sorts. Now, typically, we're used to such an announcement not really going any longer than nine months before the due date, for rather obvious reasons. Isaiah's baby announcement was just a little bit more than that, say about 700 years ahead of the birth of Jesus. And he didn't wait until Jesus was born to share all of the exciting details of that birth, but actually provided many of the details as you heard in our first reading this evening. Some of those details that help us answer the question before us tonight and this Christmas season, what child is this, tell us very clearly that that child is going to be a beacon of light in an otherwise dark world. That that child that Isaiah announced is, is going to bring much joy into the world, that he's going to bring victory. And that's all leading up to what is arguably the, the most well-known, famous verse in that entire section from Isaiah, the one upon which many musical numbers, both, both song, sung and musical instruments and arts that have all been inspired by this verse, a verse that has been filling hearts with hope for 2,700 years years. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Listen again. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, each and every one of those titles, those, those designations that Isaiah gives to this baby to be born, could serve for a sermon or an entire sermon series all on their own. But this evening, we're only going to focus on the last one, that title, Prince of Peace. So in a sense, there is your, your answer to the question, what child is this? He is, as Isaiah tells us, the Prince of Peace. And you know what it means when somebody... Uh, gives that, that title, that designation to somebody else, calls them the prince. That is the Im implication that somebody is the authority, that that's the go-to person in this area or that field of expertise. In fact, the, the dictionary describes it when we, we title somebody as a, a prince, a man or thing regarded as outstanding or excellent 
in a particular sphere or group. So think about that. What does it mean then that Isaiah said that this one to be born 700 years before it would ever even happen was not just somebody that was going to usher in a season of peace, not just somebody that would be responsible for bringing about a time of peace, but he calls him the Prince of Peace. Which is to say, according to the Bible's understanding of peace, there isn't peace apart from the Prince of Peace. You you aren't going to find it if you don't have the one about whom Isaiah spoke. If you don't know the Prince of Peace, then you don't really know peace. But that doesn't stop us in the world from searching for peace. We just look for it in different ways, don't we? In fact, we have different phrases that that essentially demonstrate how important this, this idea of peace is to us. Peace of mind. Uh, two people who, who are at odds with each other, hopefully at some point will make peace with each other. Those designations of the term peace, what do they imply about the world's understanding, about our understanding of peace apart from Scripture? That peace is really the absence of uh, that conflict or tension. So if those things can be figured out, worked out, if we can resolve any tension or conflict, then, then it stands to reason that Peace will be the result. Another approach that the world takes is simply to avoid anything that would cause tension or conflict. Anything that that brings about an uneasiness. If we just avoid it, then we'll be at peace. But if you've been around long enough, you know that that is not really a viable solution for peace. Just simply avoiding a problem. Just pretending it doesn't exist, as if you have your fingers stuck in your ear and you turn a blind eye to it. If I just avoid it, then then I won't have to deal with it, I won't have to face it, and I'll have peace. But you probably know from experience that doing so actually has the tendency to exacerbate things, make them even worse. And and we heard back in a, a series several months ago in September and October, a series called Escape, that when we couple that, that effort at avoiding problems or conflict, when we couple that with unhealthy coping mechanisms, then we've really done damage. So it isn't really a matter of resolving uh, this conflict we have or avoiding Uh, that conflict in general that's going to bring us peace, right? In theory, if that were the case, then we should have it in the world, shouldn't we? When you think of, of all of the efforts that have been made to strive for that kind of peace, all of the the progress that we have celebrated in our world should leave us feeling at peace, right? You don't go a day without hearing about climate change, we're finally doing something about it, right? You don't go much longer than a day without hearing uh, about this idea of, of, well, not an idea, but the reality of racism and privilege, right? Those are good things. And, and if your guy wasn't the one in the White House, then he is now, so there should be peace, right? All of these steps that are being taken that the world celebrates as progress, and we should be at peace, finally, Right? So then why do so many indicate that they feel the way the world is going is, is not getting better? It's getting worse. But what about all this progress? Shouldn't we be at, at peace? So why is it then that drug and alcohol abuse are on the rise? 
Why is it that more people are depressed than ever? Why is it that suicide has become so common? Is this the world's idea of peace? Is this what peace is? And that's not to say all of those things that I mentioned are bad, but here is the reality. They aren't going to bring about the peace that we seek. They aren't the solution to the peace that each and every one of us wants in our heart. That is because peace is not found in the absence of COVID or conflict. Peace is found in the presence of Christ. Peace is not found in the absence of COVID or conflict. Peace is found in the presence of Christ, which is exactly what Isaiah was foreshadowing in his baby announcement. He made it clear that this was going to be the one who is the Prince of Peace. So therefore, anybody who is seeking any kind of long-term peace apart from Jesus is not going to find it. And it's not just Isaiah that, that ascribes this attribute of peace to Jesus. In fact, the more you read of Scripture, you see that the Lord is referred to in peaceful terms or uh, all kinds of designations. Monday at our children's service in the little devotion there, I shared another prophet, a contemporary of Isaiah's, one that served at the same time, who spoke about the same Jesus. Micah said in chapter 5, verse 5, that he will be our peace. And one of the most prolific writers in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, in so many of his letters, right at the beginning, right at his greeting, refers to the God of grace and peace. And listen to the writer to the Hebrews who describes him the same way, chapter 13, verse 20 says, May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. The God of peace connected with Jesus Christ. If you don't have Jesus you don't and will not have peace. You might search through it for the rest of your life, looking all kinds of, of different places for it, but you won't find it. It's only found in Jesus. Now, I am sure that, that there are some here this evening that, that maybe doubt that, that maybe are uncertain of that, that may just very confidently exclaim that they don't believe that. Maybe you're here with your, your family member because they dragged you along. And, and at this point, I, I want to just acknowledge that that's okay. But I want you to be open to something as, as we've been talking about this evening. Stop and, and think about how many other births throughout the history of mankind have been celebrated by people across the globe, different languages, different nations, different skin color, ever since the event of that birth. Go ahead and count them all up if you want, but there's one. So it stands to reason that, that maybe this is at least something that is worth looking into when Isaiah gives us this announcement and shares these details about this Prince of Peace. Now, maybe a logical question that follows is, well, how did he come to bring about that peace that we keep talking about? And the Apostle Paul 
writing to believers in the city of Colossae, in the book of Colossians, he explained how that came about. In chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, he said, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that is Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus did not come just to be born in a manger, but to die on a cross. And then to rise victoriously three days later. Jesus came to pay the price that was required to do away with the sin that separates us from God. It is a, a debt that we could not pay on our own, a price that we could not ever, ever match, even on our best days, because of the sin that is in here. So Jesus came to do something about it, as Isaiah told. And God made it clear so many different ways in the Old Testament, not the least of which is the sacrifices that he expected to be offered up for sin, which was a very foreshadowing that that was how man got right with God. A price had to be paid for sin. God, knowing that none of us could pay that price, as we'll confess shortly, took it on himself to pay the debt of our sin. So, dear friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, on this Christmas Eve, if there is no longer any outstanding debt of sin that stands between God and man, then you know what the result is? Peace. We are at peace with God. As I mentioned before, this is not just a temporary or a short-lived peace. Isaiah goes on to explain that in the very verse that followed, verse 6. Verse 7, he says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. It isn't going to come to an end, ever. It's not going to run out. God isn't going to change his mind. There aren't limits to the peace that Jesus came to bring between God and men. That means that you are at peace today, tomorrow, and, and always through faith in Jesus. And with that peace comes the freedom to live in the joy of Jesus as well. A, a freedom that was understood by a prison inmate, Mr. Fernandez, who was an individual that came to faith while actually in prison. It was a group of Christians that, that had come to him and shared the word of God with him in a seminar, and through that word of God, he became a believer. So as Mr. Fernandez grew in his faith, he craved more of it. He heard that the same group was going to be coming to the prison again with a similar seminar sharing the word of God, and we, he was excited. In fact, in his own words, he described the experience this way. He said, The teaching and love in these seminars has meant so much to me. I wanted to learn more before I left prison. Well, after that second seminar, eventually, later on, there was wind of a third seminar. This group was going to come in a third time and share the word that that Mr. Fernandez had come to love listening to. Here was the problem, though, with that third seminar. 
It just happened to be scheduled on the day of his release from prison. So what did Mr. Fernandez do? He asked if his release could be pushed back so that he could attend the seminar. What? Who does that? Who passes up their freedom? Who pushes off the day that they get to walk out of the jail cell and the prison walls and be a free man once again? Who on his right mind would do that? Somebody who is at peace and knows that Jesus is the source of that peace. And that means that that no prison wall can rob him of that peace or the freedom that he had in Jesus. So he was content to, to put off his release just a little bit more to hear more about that peace that was his through his Savior, Jesus. Dear friends, that's the good news of Christmas. This evening, that you walk out of here with the same assurance that Mr. Fernandez had. That your peace isn't dependent on your circumstances, your situation, your relationships with other people. Those will come and go in ebb and flow. But what will remain constant is the peace that you have in Jesus. What, what child is this? The Prince of Peace. Your Prince of Peace. May he grant you that peace, not just this Christmas, but always and into eternity. Amen.